Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. It's Yalla Rocks episode 11 and today we're talking about costumes. Yesterday I mentioned that a personal dance practice doesn't necessarily only consist of getting your butt onto the dance floor. And with today's episode, we're going to continue down that path. As belly dancers, we have a lot in common. And one of those things, a love for the costumes. Whether those be the sparkly kind, the fluffy kind, the elaborate kind, fake flowers or rhinestones, we all fall in love with the costuming of our styles and of this dance. Today's guest, Mao, has taken that love a bit further and has established an entire site that's dedicated to help dancers dream up and create their own costumes, even if you have no idea how to sew. And maybe you have no interest in making your own costumes, but you know what you probably will have to do at some point? Move a hook, or sew on some decorations that have fallen off, clean a costume, or even design a little something to go with a costume you already have. And incorporating that kind of maintenance on a regular schedule is only going to help you out in the long run. So today, Mal joins us to talk about how to incorporate that kind of maintenance and how to bring this creativity into your personal dance practice so that you're not pulling an all-nighter before the next Hofla moving a hook. I know you've been there because I have too. More times than I can count. The course list for the Belly Dance Bundle is up. You can head over to thebellydancebundle.com to see the entire course list. That's all 22 items. And that is a lot of things to keep you occupied in your personal practice. This year's bundle amounts to $1,200 of courses. And for the week of October 16th to the 23rd, we'll be offering it at 85% off that list price. For a mere 174 USD, you'll be swimming in practice materials. Or should I say dancing? Now, the bundle contributors are more than generous to allow their products into such a bundle, but there's no way we can keep it up for long, so that October 23rd deadline is a real thing. After that, this bundle will never be available again with the same products. So head over to thebellydancebundle.com to check out the course list and sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss a single update. Now, on with the show. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today we have someone who loves the glam and glitter of costume, is completely in love with sewing, and is the effervescent personality behind the sparkly belly, Mao Murakami. Mao, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. I guess I shouldn't even say today, because technically for you, it's tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. For, for me, because we're, we're actually in different days right now, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. So before we dive in to all of the, the details and sewing and costuming and all these things, 
I really need to know, was it the belly dance costuming that actually first got you into belly dance? Actually, no, that's a very good question. I think the very first thing was just, um, I was curious about belly dancing. I was going to a university in Canada at the time, and I saw an ad for a belly dance lesson. And at the time, I was kind of taking dance classes wherever I could. Like I did hip hop, I did flamenco. I just pretty much did anything that was available to me. And then um, I saw an ad for belly dance lessons. So I took that and it was just so fun. Like the music and the movements felt so, just so good to my body. And it helped me get through the tough times during university years. So that's how I got into belly dancing. And a funny thing, for the first couple of years, I wasn't that interested in costuming. I was more interested in learning the choreography. I really liked my teacher and I just loved learning the language of the dance itself. And then one day I realized I was wearing, I was about to perform and I was wearing really amateur looking costume of, you know, just a colorful top and it's not even a bra top it's kind of like a choli ish more like a crop top plus yoga pants and coin hip scarf and I was performing like that for the first couple of years and one day it just hit me like in backstage I was looking at other dancers dressing up into sparkly costumes and I was like I want to wear one of those <laughs> I'm ready to move on and I started looking um, through online stores and other used costumes by local dancers and whatnot. And I'm, I'm very short. I'm only five feet tall and I'm on a small end of the um, sizing. So I just couldn't buy anything off the rack. And that's kind of how I started getting into costuming. And now costuming is like pretty much my life. So for those of you who don't know, the Sparkly Belly is a site that helps you make your own costumes. Mao has an unbelievable amount of free content over there. You really just have tutorials for everything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I try. And I have like um, a list of over 200 requests I've been collecting from my readers. So I'm trying to <laughs> tackle that list every week. But yeah, um, if you've never checked out my site, I have a whole catalog of tutorials. So yeah, have a look. So that's going to be a big help for anybody who's interested in getting into this. So for me, a personal dance practice is much more than just the actual physical aspect of dancing. Like, obviously, that's a huge part of it. The technique, the emoting, choreography, improv, all of those things that actually require physical presence on the dance floor, very important. But there's this whole kind of periphery of things that when you, they make your dance more visible when you take it to the stage. And these are the things I think that a lot of us forget to practice. We forget to practice doing our hair, practice doing our makeup, and we definitely don't necessarily practice our sewing and working on our costumes and getting that aspect of our dance crystal clear like with the vision that we have and then the costume that we have and how can we kind of marry the two to make it awesome so i'd love to hear your opinions on this as someone who really kind of just sews for a living yeah it's 
for me that's it's a very big topic right like when i like i said first couple of years of belly dancing i wasn't really thinking about costuming and maybe i'll think a little bit about it the night before or a week before thinking ah, i have nothing to wear for this performance but at the time my instructor would coordinate things for us so i was fine but once you get to a certain level you want to have you want to look a certain way because it's like when you put on a nice professional looking costume it really kind of it's a uniform it's like um it's like when, when sailor moon changes her costume right like it, yes <laughs> yes sailor moon references on the podcast i'm so into this but yeah like you know it gives her power right and and as a dancer like you need to feel that power and I think costuming and putting on makeup, doing your hair, I think that whole thing is that whole transformation you're going through before getting on stage and you're going to do your magic on stage and you can't look like you just came out of the bed or you just came out of practice. You want to look like you're that special figure on stage. And that's why I feel costuming is so important now that i think about it like i wish i could tell myself when i started belly dancing but like i wish i thought more about costuming when i was planning a piece for hafla or performance you know think about like how i can coordinate the music and the theme and the feel of the dance i'm aiming towards with my costumes and I think that's so important because it really does kind of level up the dance itself. Like your technique could be exactly the same. Your emotion could be exactly the same. And you're going to portray those things beautifully. Exactly. Either way. But if you do it in your yoga pants and your crop top versus doing it in a professional, more professional at least, costume that flatters both your figure and the movements that are part of your piece you really take it to that next level. Exactly. So I, like at sparklybelly.com, I teach people how to make belly dance costumes, but really my ultimate goal is to help people feel beautiful and confident on stage. And I think that's the power of costuming. I agree because I know that when I do my hair and I put on my makeup and I put on that costume, like my self-confidence like jettisons through the roof. Yeah. And that is a feeling everybody wants to take with them into a performance. Yeah, totally. Because that confidence alone, like sometimes some dancers, they're just doing a simple movement on stage and they just look so beautiful. They look so attractive and really captivating. And I think it's, of course, it's not just a costume, but it's also the how she's feeling about herself, about her performance. Mm -hmm. and about the stage. Absolutely. You can tell when someone's nervous. Yeah, you can too. So why then do you think that this base level of knowledge in sewing is important for any dancer? Yeah, I think and base level, well, first of all, I truly believe belly dance costumes can be made without advanced knowledge of sewing. Um, I feel belly dance costumes are intimidating, <laughs> partly because of all the bees and sequins and all the time that may require 
to to actually create a piece and it's true it, it it can be time consuming but the basic knowledge can take you so far as you know as a dancer like for example um for belly dancers i feel the costumes are particularly important because it's it's pretty much the only layer that's covering you you know like you want to make sure the bra fits you really well and the hook one give up on stage right everybody's had that moment <laughs> and uh same with the belt like it's so annoying when the belt keeps turning while you're dancing on stage and you look at the picture afterward and your belt is like completely off center and it's like so so annoying so i feel just being able to fix up those hooks and that's like a really great place to start in terms of getting used to um costume making or even just fixing your costumes yourself because again that ultimately helps you feel beautiful and confident on stage yes i think the other thing that really drives me nuts is when my elastics have gotten too stretched out like on yeah. skirts that don't have like a belt that goes over them and then the like the skirt keeps kind of like slipping and you have to keep <laughs> hiking it like yes. finding creative moments to like hike your skirt in the restaurant that's right Right. Everyone, everyone has some kind of either costume malfunction or costume <laughs> annoyance right now. I can, I know each and every one of you out there is thinking of it. It's time to learn how to fix that thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it's actually pretty easy to just take in a little bit for your skirt or, you know, like our body goes through so many changes, right? Like whether it's weight gain or loss or, you know, maybe you're going through a cycle you know, like we go through so many changes and being able to adjust the hooks or just being able to extend the straps a little bit, like that can take you a long way. That can take your money a long way as well because you don't want to keep buying costumes all the time. That's just not, well, if you have the money, go ahead. But mm -hmm. if, you know, if, if you're, even if you're a serious hobby dancer, you know, you, everybody has a budget for costuming, right? So. And I, yeah, it does depend because more professional dancers do flip their costumes way right. more frequently, mm -hmm. but someone who is like semi-professional or just a hobbyist, like they might keep costumes for 10 years. Totally. And there's a lot of changes. You look different all different times throughout those 10 years. Exactly. And it's, it's really like oftentimes, um, one thing that belly dancers have problems with is, is bras. Like it's, it's hard enough to find a perfectly fitting bra for your daily, you know, lingerie bras, but for belly dance costumes, they come so hard or they come very rigid because of the beating and whatnot just being able to add some straps, which I call magic straps, they can do wonders for your bra fitting. So anyway, I can just go on about <laughs> bra fitting. But um, yeah, like being able to just do basic sewing can really help you for costume fitting. So for dancers out there who are like, I know that what you're saying is true <laughs> and that it would help me, but I really hate sewing. Like I re I really hate sewing and I have friends like this who refuse to fix their own costumes because they just hate it so much. Yeah. What are some tips do you think to help those people either make it more fun or kind of get over that, that initial like, Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, I wonder what makes them feel that way. I wonder if that's because they don't own any tools or what do you think, Tiffany? I think it probably depends on the person. I think for some, I know for the friends that I have that are like this, it is a mix of the amount of time they think it's going to take. They think it's very boring and they don't have, um, they don't think that they have the skills or can acquire the skills to do it well. Like if they try, they're just going to mess it up. So like, why even bother doing it? Right. Um, one thing I learned about not too long ago, and I'm kind of encouraging my audience to do, is um, something called social, and it's so, S-E-W, show, C-I-A-L. So basically, you get together with friends and work on sewing projects. And um, what I've been doing is uh, I asked my audience, um, if there are like belly dance teachers in my audience and then I sent a whole bunch of my applique kits to them so that they can organize socials where they can teach each other how to sew and make sparkly appliques that they can wear on their costumes and um, a lot of them are reporting back to me saying it was so fun and it was just so nice to get together you know outside of the studio and just enjoy each other's company, teach each other how to sew, and then come out with a nice applique in the end. Um, I think that's kind of a really good way to encourage your community. Like if you know how to sew, maybe you can organize a social where, you know, people can learn how to sew while having fun. And um, I just mentioned my DIY applique kits, but the kit comes with a sewing needle, um, thread, instructions, all the bees and felt, everything you need. And using kits like that really makes it easier to start. You open up a package and everything's there for you. And, you know, just try sewing on a rhinestone. It's super easy. Just few, it, all it takes is a few stitches. And it's so I love making appliques because it's so um, rewarding. It's a, it can take a long time, but it's something that you can actually use right away as a hair clip or put on a costume as a centerpiece or it's, it's really fun. So I highly recommend doing socials. Like if you have somebody that can sew close to you, maybe ask them to help you sew and it's really not that bad it's quite straightforward the idea of socials I think sounds awesome to me because we're always friends with the people in our dance classes in the dance studio you know in the troupe and stuff but during rehearsals there's never enough time to talk yeah you know everybody's like trying to fit it in in the like first 10 minutes or like the teacher like goes to get some water and then everybody's like tell me updates about your life. And then it's, it's hard to get back yeah. into class. So I feel like this is almost like if you could schedule like a monthly one or something with your group or with your studio, then you get that chance to like connect on a different level than you're able to in the dance studio while also maintaining all of your costumes. Yeah, exactly. And I really love that friendship. Like that's what I enjoy the most about belly dancing is I think we have really good communities 
really around the world for ballet dancers and they're so welcoming and just being able to help each other and connect on personal level. Like I know some of the teachers had socials at their places, had some wine and snacks and just worked casually on appliques and it's it's nice, right? Like I feel that kind of personal connection is um, lacking in today's world. Like, I mean, I, I work online and I, I live in online world, but you know, I really miss that personal connection with people and I think that's a nice thing to do for the community as well. Yeah. So even if you're not a teacher, right, go out, ask around, see if anybody's interested and maybe, maybe set one of these up, especially if you're reluctant to get to what I'm sure is the corner of the drawer where you kind of put the things that are broken yeah. that you can't wear <laughs> and that you're going to safety pin together at the next recital. Maybe, maybe pull those out. Yeah, exactly. Work on it. Yeah. So Mal, can we, let's take a sidebar here. Yeah. And I'd really like to go into, I'd really like to go into how costuming affects movement and how movement affects your costuming. Because this is something that you mentioned in your Instagram challenge for today. So everybody who's listening at the time that this releases, check that out. Anybody in the future, you might have to scroll back a little bit on the Instagram feed. Maybe I'll put a link I'll put yeah, a link in the show notes. Cool. People can check it out in the future. So you talk about this in that challenge. And so I'd really like to go a little more in depth for people who haven't realized how important this can actually be. Yeah, I think there are two elements to it. One is creative. The other one is practical. So the creative element is, you know, of course, when you are choreographing to a music, piece of music, or you could be improvising, but you will be practicing anyway. And that music might inspire you to do certain movements. Like if you're twirling, you want to make sure that that effect is being seen. And maybe you might want to incorporate a skirt that opens up while you twirl, like circle skirts, or... If you don't want the twirl to look so big, you could incorporate a mermaid skirt with inserts at the bottom. Whereas, you know, maybe twirling is not so uh, such a huge part of your piece, but you do floor work or something, then you might want to wear more straight skirt without a big slit. You know, like there are so many elements you might want to consider. And um, for that creative piece, I actually have um, guest posts by, uh, by Sahira um, this October, October 11th, actually. And she talks about how she coordinates her, the zills that she plays with her costumes. And like she tries to match up the color of her zills to the costumes and I think that's that's fantastic like you really create that whole package in your head before you pick your costume before you pick your props and that whole creative uh, she she explains way better in her post but um, she really talks about how she approached this piece while thinking okay I'm gonna wear my favorite turquoise costume but she realized no, um, as she was practicing, she realized, no, I should wear something more flowy and gentle. And so she switched. And there's a beautiful video that 
you can watch in the guest post as well. But so there's that creative aspect. And definitely there's the second aspect of practical um, things about costuming. When you practice while wearing that costume you want to wear, you start to realize like, yeah, I shimmy and then this skirt starts to fall or this bra starts to move around while I do the chest circle or whatever. So those practical aspects are really important. You don't want to realize that while you're on stage. So I think those are two important things. I'm really excited to read this guest post because Sahira is awesome and you are awesome. And this is, as far as I'm concerned, a combining of forces <laughs> into a, a great a greatness that will exist in this post. So one thing that you mentioned, the practicality, right? You don't want to notice on stage that, oh, holy crap, if I do that chest circle all the way, my bra is going to pop. Yeah. We're going to have a problem. That has so happened to me in restaurants when I haven't tried a costume on in a while and I put it on backstage and I'm like, oh man, I got to be careful with what you do, what I'm doing. And if you're just going, it's hard. It's hard to rein it in. Sometimes you're like, no, no. I gotta be careful. Oh, exactly. I gotta be careful. You hold back and your movements become smaller and you become a more reserved dancer, right? Yeah, you don't you definitely don't want that to be what holds you back. Exactly. For sure. Mm-hmm. So in addition to all the things that you were mentioning, something that um Sahra over at JTE talks about in reference to like Gawazi dancers is that they um she actually brings it to JT with her it's like a a stocking is what she brings they they made it out of other things but she brings a stocking that she's like stuffed with batting that you tie around your hips and then you put the skirt like the gawazi skirt over it right. and so it makes your skirt like it makes your hips flare out just a bit farther and then the gawazi skirt is almost like a flapper's dress but with really heavy beading like not that light fringy flap from the 20s but like really heavy beading and when they do that gawazi step when they're really into their moves yeah. you can see that skirt like flipping and f- sliding all over the place and that is i think an excellent example yeah. of like how costuming and movement are so tied together is that our costuming over time has become a movement extender to really show off these things that we're doing. So thinking about that, when you're thinking about your piece and like what you're going to wear, I think can really, it can really change the whole feel of everything and make you make totally different decisions than if you were just like, I'm performing on Saturday. Let me open the closet. (laughs) Exactly. And that reminds me like, you know, some skirts have a couple layers and you put it on and you start to practice in it. And then you realize, Ooh, I can play with the top layer or, you know, that can really inspire your creativity as well. Yes. Always practice in your costumes. Yes. Always. Awesome. 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 So for everyone who is now a little more inspired about their costuming, a little more into the idea of maybe giving sewing a try, fixing up some of those costumes. How often do you suggest kind of going back to a costume and doing a little bit of work on it to make sure that it's it's staying in, in tip-top condition? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, for costume maintenance, I think after performance is a good time to review, right? Like you're reflecting on your performance and hopefully you're airing out your costume before putting it away. And, you know, that's when you can kind of examine, okay, are any bees falling out or are rhinestones looking great? And that's really a good place to start for costume maintenance and 
you know, getting used to sewing stuff on costumes and kind of that's when you can kind of analyze, hmm, how is this costume made? Like, okay, what's inside? Like if you're, you know, bold enough, you can just take out little stitches off the lining and then peek inside and see what's happening because some costumes have wires inside that keep shape, which you could easily remove to make it softer and mold it into your body shape and things like that. And also like a really nice, um, a quick tip that I can give of a costume maintenance is you can take um, window cleaner, glass cleaner, and dab a little bit of that on like a paper, uh, what's it called? Paper towel, piece of paper towel, and then just rub some of the glass rhinestones or glass bees and that can really bring back shine to your costume. So you can try something little like that, you know, well, don't get that on the costume fabric itself and try it on little small inconspicuous parts first to test, but um, something like that can really make you feel good about your costumes and, you know, maintaining your costume because that's something that you pay a couple hundred dollars at least on and you want to keep it looking good and you want to keep it looking expensive and high quality so do things like that right after shows i think that's a really good place to start and if you really want to get better at sewing i suggest you make what i call me time and this is what i encourage all my readers to do is just create a 15 minute slot in a day and that time you can spend it on anything that benefits you. It could be like just practice sewing, it could be practice dancing, but anything that inspire you and benefit you and just for you. And I really try to make me time every day myself, do work on something that's outside of my work. And sometimes the me time really helps me learn new skills that like, it's not even serious practice time for me. It's just fun time. And that's the best time to learn things. I pick up new sewing skills, new sewing techniques, and I try making something different. Like I have a baby niece now, so I've been making baby headbands and stuff. And, you know, I've learned so much. And so if you're interested in getting good at sewing, I highly recommend creating me time every day. Awesome. And I think depending on how much better you want to get at sewing or how proficient you want to become in it can determine how many of those, those sessions are devoted to that thing a week or a month. Because if you are struggling to find a consistent dance practice, creating that me time, like, because this, I mean, your practice is a gift to yourself, really, because who doesn't usually walk out of practice feeling totally amped? Because you're usually exhausted, but also really excited and, and into it. And setting that 15 minutes aside and then doing all of the things that relate to a dance practice. Practice your technique some days. Read a history book one day. Yeah. Read that book that you've been really into. Practice your makeup one day. Exactly. Or work on your sewing. Yeah. And, you know, make that a, a regular part of that time to the level that you want to become proficient in that thing, just like you would with anything else. Totally. And for costuming too, like even watching other people's um, performance on YouTube and stuff that's that that to me is practice because you really get to see how the dancer chose the costume and the theme True. and the piece and you know you can kind of analyze and look at the performance from different perspective and that can be really good practice too 
That's an excellent point. I've never thought to like actually actively think about why a dancer is wearing the thing they're wearing. Yeah. They're just always wearing the thing that they're wearing. And I like accept that and move on. Yeah. And sometimes it's the most interesting part of performance, right? It's the story behind a performance. And often we don't get to hear that story, but you know, often there's, you know, a lot of thinking happening behind performance. And that's kind of a really fun practice too. That's awesome. Well, everyone, you've just walked away, I think, with some great tips on getting better at sewing, figuring, adding new element to your video watching <laughs> even, and, you know, opportunities for some social aspects yeah. outside of the studio. So I think all of that is very exciting. Mao, thank you so much for joining me. Everyone who is listening, Mao's contribution to the 2019 Ballet Dance Bundle is a portion of her Make Your Dream Costume Crash Course that you can use to make the costume that you've always had in mind and had no idea how to actually execute into the world. Mal will help you do that because she's amazing. The Belly Dance Bundle is on sale this year from October 16th to the 23rd. But other than the bundle, Mal, where can people connect with you? Where can they find more of your awesome tutorials and all of the awesome goodies that you have to share? Sure, yeah, definitely come over to sparklybelly.com and I have a free course for anybody who's new to belly dance costume making called Belly Dance Costume Making 101. So make sure to take advantage of that. Awesome, Mao, thank you so much for joining me, even if we're on different days still. We're still on different days. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for accommodating me. It's been wonderful, and I'm super excited to have been able to share this with everyone. Yes, I'm excited too. Everybody, we will see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. See, sewing isn't as scary as it seems. If sewing is something that you feel would benefit your practice, I highly suggest getting together with a couple of local dance friends and setting up one of those socials. It's a great way to keep up your friendships outside of practice. And you know, why stop there? I'm sure you have friends that you've met at conferences that don't live in your city. Want to arrange some time to hang out? Use this as an excuse. I'm sure they have stuff to work on too, and they'll appreciate you reaching out to set something up. While it won't be quite the same as meeting in person, hopping on a Zoom call and sewing together can be a great way to keep up with your dance friends that you meet on your travels. So use your costumes as an excuse to get social, make it a party, and it won't feel so much like work. I mean, that's what some of the best dance classes feel like too, right? If you're interested in checking out more from Mao, be sure to visit thesparklybelly.com or hit up the show notes at thebellydancebundle.com slash 11 for links to all the places you can hang out enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe with your favorite podcast player. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and more. If you can find podcasts there, you can find us. It's Yala Rocks with an H and a Q. I know we picked some words with different transliterations, so that's Y-A-L-L-A-H-R-A-Q-S. And if you're interested in this year's Belly Dance Bundle, be sure to check out thebellydancebundle.com for the entire course list, which was just posted this morning. All 22 courses are listed so you can see exactly what you'll be getting if you decide to buy when we go on sale in just a couple of weeks. Not only will Mal be putting in part of her belly dance costuming workshop, but you'll also be getting live lectures, techniques, choreographies, and goal setting. Just There's just so much in this year's bundle, everyone. So head over to the bundle page to learn more and get on the newsletter to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, it's time to take some inventory. What costumes need a little love out of your closet?